This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. And then from there, the floodgates started opening. And I found that that there's healing power with giving yourself permission to actually feel all these feelings. You know, in society, we're told to wear that mask of strength. I thought I needed to wear that mask of strength. What I learned was it's the opposite. These feelings are here for a reason. You're meant to process, move through them and go through them. Welcome to FemPower Health. Georgie here. We are in this post-pandemic era where so many of us are struggling with our mental health. And as you know, those types of situations don't necessarily disappear. It's about going through your life day by day. So I'm pleased to bring to you this episode with Ashley Bernardi, who is the author of Authentic Power, Give Yourself Permission to Feel. And it is a heartwarming conversation where we talk about some of the darkest hours and how some of those might actually be disguised as opportunities to uncover and process, feel, heal, and grow. So take a listen to this episode. And if you know of someone who might also be struggling, please do share this. And if you're interested in more information, please check out my episodes on mental health that I've covered with other experts. So take a listen to our lovely conversation. So thank you, Ashley, for sharing your heartwarming story and learnings along the way. Why don't you start by telling us your story and so that we can understand the perspective that you're coming from, and then we can talk about all the wisdom that you have to share with us. Absolutely, Georgie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, And yes, it's, you know, we've all been on these journeys. And for my journey, it's definitely been a very windy road that has um, thankfully led to a lot of healing Uh, and rebirthing and learning how to access my own wisdom within me, which is my, what I call my authentic power. And it's something that we all have access to. Um, But it didn't start that way. So I'm happy to share a little bit about how I got to finding my authentic power. Um, It started when I first when I was a kid. I mean, I had a very happy childhood up until uh, a traumatic incident when I was 11 years old. I was, you know, raised by I had a military family. I was born in Germany. We lived in California, ended up in the D.C. area because my dad was at the Pentagon. And I had a little sister and a mom and, you know, just a happy little family of four. When um, one day, um, it was a Sunday night, actually, my dad said he wasn't feeling well And um, he went upstairs. We had just finished a family movie. And um, he went and he put himself to bed, which was rare because he usually tucked me and my sister in. And um, I went I tucked him in that night. And I said, I love you, Dad. And he said, I love you too, honey. And um, moments later... Um, that I mean, those were the last words I ever spoke to my father because moments later he um, ended up suffering from what we later found out was a heart attack. 
um, actively active heart attack. So my mom and sister and I um, tried to save his life, obviously, like not having the proper training to do so. But we had assumed that I mean, we had just in moments of stress and trauma, we kind of like kicked into high gear. And my mom and sister went and administered CPR to him. And um, I ran and called 911 uh, and then ran to get the neighbors. And after that, it was just kind of all a blur until I ended up in this beautiful pink room in in, um, the hospital waiting to go see my dad. But instead, my mom came in and said that he had passed away. And um, that's really when my life changed forever. Um, Having gone through that just traumatic experience um, with him dying in front of me and my my family and um, just it was so hard for me to just even want to address. Um, I think part of the reason is because he was an army colonel and I was a military child. I was the daughter of a colonel and I have always been told to be so strong to wear, you know, wear that mask of strength. You're strong. You're a Baird. That was my maiden name. Um, Bairds are strong um, and very stoic. And so I felt, I thought that's what I needed to do. So I did. I buried my grief and my trauma of losing my father for years, 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 years. I mean, even in high school, um, I had friends that I wouldn't even tell that my dad passed away. One, it was too painful for me to talk about because I missed him so much. But the other was because I felt like I was doing the right thing by by just being strong. So what happens when you bury um, grief and trauma? Of course, it comes out in other ways. So as I grew um, into a young adult, um, I became, um, you know, kind of addicted to people pleasing. Um, I also had an addiction to work. I had a destructive relationship with men. I had a terrible lack of boundaries. Um, and it was really because I was bearing so much trauma within me. It came out in other ways. Um, but I lived my life life like this, thinking that everything was okay. And on the outside, I would say I was an Oscar worthy actress. Like I, like in high school, I was a captain of my dance team. I was secretary of my class in college. I was president of my sorority. Like on the outside, it looked like I had it all, but it's because I had become such a great actress, um, and was really just suffering and dying inside. So it wasn't until I was in my early 30s when another trauma hit me over my head. And this is that was the trauma that changed everything. So, um, you know, I had gotten a job as a journalist. I worked at CBS News. I worked like a maniac for years. Interestingly enough, um, I was I, I got thrill from just distractions. So that's why work became my addiction. Um, because it, if I ever got quiet and still, that's when I would have to address these feelings, these uncomfortable feelings that I never gave myself permission to feel. So in my early 30s, I was I'm happily married. I had just delivered my third child, Scarlett. And um, I was hit with so many crazy symptoms that left me completely bedridden. Um, I had brain fog. I felt like I had the flu every day. I sometimes had fevers. I had nerve pain. I was just losing my sense of my body. And in addition to that, no one could figure out what it was, but I also was diagnosed with postpartum depression and put in a 
um, part-time mental health hospitalization program, which is where you're in like mental health school for eight hours a day, every day, five days a week, and then you go home. And I did that for several weeks, um, still while being incredibly sick to the point where like I was, um, I had vertigo, I, I lost my vision. And then finally, like, I'll never forget, no doctors could figure it out. I was, I had seen over like 30 doctors. There were, there was one moment where, um, I was getting blood work at a doctor's office and I, um, I started fainting. And then I, um, from there I lost complete control of my bowels. Like I was just peeing in a bucket and they did not know what to do with me. And my, the room was spinning. So they called 911, had an ambulance take me from the doctor's office to the hospital. And I mean, this has become like a regular cycle for me that no one could figure it out. And I'll never forget, like when I got home from the hospital, that one day, still feeling so sick. I tried to get up out of bed. The room was still spinning. And that was like, I'm it. That's it, God. I surrender. I am done. Like, either take me now or, or like, <laughs> this is no longer in my control. And that was the first moment that I gave myself permission to just be upset about how how sick I was. And the interesting thing that I found was the first time I gave myself permission to feel, not only was I grieving for my my health, but I found myself missing my dad and grieving for my dad. It was like that, that grief that I had buried for over 20 years suddenly started coming out too. And then from there, the floodgates started opening. And I found that, that there's healing power with giving yourself permission to actually feel all these feelings. You know, in society, we're told to wear that mask of strength. I thought I needed to wear that mask of strength. And um, what I learned was it's the opposite. These feelings are here for a reason. You're meant to process, move through them, and go through them. So eventually I was correctly diagnosed with late-stage Lyme disease. I was given a pick line of IV antibiotics in my body for eight weeks. I couldn't lift my ch- any of my children, so we had to move in with my in-laws. And healing was the, the most excruciating process. But I always say that the physical healing was like 10% of what needed to happen. The other 80% was truly the, up to me and my emotional, mental, and spiritual healing. So it took about a year to really dive in and process those feelings. I'm honestly still doing it today. And I'm a completely different person than I was seven years ago when I was going through this health crisis to now. So I come to you now from a very deeply empowered and healed state where I do openly talk about my feelings and process my feelings in real time and give myself permission to feel. And my message is that that is how you can find own, own honor and access your authentic power, which is the wisdom that you have within you. The wisdom is part of those, those feelings that, that we feel and that we're supposed to move through and process. Do you also feel like you were an actress to yourself? You know, I'm almost wondering just because even with what I experienced, like you probably fooled yourself too. I 100% feel like I was acting to myself for sure. And yeah. and that came out in other ways to people. I don't act to myself anymore. I, I'm like, right. oh, I feel like this. I'm going <laughs> to sit with this because this is here to teach me something. But yes, before I didn't know who I was because I wasn't allowing myself to really live in my true essence and, and honor the authentic power that I had within me. I wasn't listening to that inner divine wisdom that I now know we all have. Um, and, and it's really up to us to access it. 
um, and unravel what society and culture has taught us about our emotions and really more of leaning into what we're telling ourselves. So yes, I do feel like I was being an actress to myself. No more, no longer. I don't do it anymore. I don't tolerate that actress anymore. She's retired and now you're com- I'm coming to you with the full authentic Ashley. A lot of times the authenticity, maybe perhaps the way in which is delivered, because I do think about that too. And so then I find friendships change significantly. Did you find that as well? Yes, absolutely. Friendships changed completely. In full transparency, I think I figured out I had a lot of friendships that were based on kind of surface level living. Yes. Um, And I learned to just be okay with that and call those friendships for what they are. And, you know, will you drift from, from those people after you have some sort of awakening or realization? Sure. And that is okay. It's kind of like when people quit drinking or doing drugs, they're like, oh my God, I lost so many friends. And I think it's the same thing for when you have uh, some sort of crisis or awakening to your spiritual self. You're like, oh my God, I, I lost a lot of friends, but I'm going to tell you what, I gained so many more new friends that are spiritually aligned. They've just been divinely popping into my life. And yes. and I think it's because I've allowed that door to open for me, whereas before it was has closed. So my friendships Yes, I have may have lost some, but I've also gained so many more deeper, rich, um, honest relationships. Um, and, and I'm having conversations that I've never had before because I wasn't open to them and I wasn't spiritually ready yet. I, I hate to say it, like I don't know if we women do this where we have to wait until the world is so loud that you have no choice but to feel the feelings. Yeah. I don't know if you, if that resonates. I so resonate and I get it like everything from the friendship thing too, which that has changed even going back to like society and culture where like we're, we're not, I I mean, this is a whole nother conversation where I don't (laughs) think that we're really taught to process our emotions in a healthy way. I'm trying to break that cycle with my children. I have three young kids at home and on the refrigerator, I have this big magnet that that says like, okay, I know you, it's like, you can't articulate how you're feeling, but show me a picture of how you feel like just starting there. And sometimes they're like, mom, how are you feeling? And sometimes there's days when I'm like, I can't articulate it either. And I'm like, here you go. So I'm like, <laughs> we have to start somewhere. And, and I, and this is a no fault to like my parents or my grandparents or anyone, but it's just that it's something that we haven't been taught how to do. But what I learned is that our emotions are there for a reason. They're there to teach us something. We're there. We're here to learn from them. Like anger. I love the emotion of anger because it's so motivating for me. I love the emotion of sadness because it's so releasing for me. Um, you know, the emotion of grief means that I, someone I've lost someone I've loved so much that I've, that I had the, the blessing to love and be loved. Like there's just, and so like, I think the other thing I want to differentiate is I'm not talking about like wallowing and your emotions or depression. Like, no, I'm always going to say, go and seek professional help. But I'm also saying that it's okay to cry. It's okay to not be okay. If you're feeling depressed, that is also okay too. It means that pay attention. Something is off. This is your body calling you to look into a little bit deeper to see where, 
where your wisdom is. So that's what I, that's kind of my message that I want to share. You know, I, I keep hearing like, feel the emotions and that is how you heal. I think I'm starting to understand it more, but like my therapist would, would say, you know, just feel it. And I'm like, what's the purpose? Cause he would always be like, why are you, you don't need to be doing, I'm like, but it feels good because I'm productive. Yeah. And he would also say like, why can't you just sit? And I'm like, and I literally, I'm like, and do what? Like, am I supposed to read a book? Am I supposed to meditate? Do I watch a movie? Do I take a walk? Cause my brain is like, what do you mean you just sit? Yeah. So I would love to hear, you might be more, I'm getting there. I'm starting to understand, but I'd love to get your perspective on that because I'll be like, I, I I don't understand. You're either doing or you're sleeping. Like that's my We are kindred spirits <laughs> because this is this is how I operated. And to be completely honest, I'm still undoing that operational side of me where I'm like, what does it mean to just sit? Because um sometimes if I just sit, I question my worthiness. So for you, I wonder if it's like, is this a worthiness thing too? Um, this worthiness has been something that I've been working on with like my own wisdom and authentic power because we live in such a world and a cycle of busyness, busyness, busyness. And we feel like we have to constantly do, 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 do. For me, I personally discovered it came down to my, me seeing my worth. And so like some of my affirmations that I give myself are I'm worthy just as I am. I don't need to do anything. I'm going to sit down on the couch right now. I'm going to drink a glass of water and I'm going to do nothing. And that feels really good. But if you had asked me to do something like that six, seven years ago, I would have been like, what do you mean sit for an hour and do nothing? But okay. When it comes to your feelings and the, the, your feelings role in this. So this is what I taught myself. When I first started feeling my feelings, I was like, oh, oh my God, this is really healing for me. I'm actually learning something from these feelings. I'm learning that like, maybe I should be a better listener in this particular situation. It depends. So when the pandemic first hit, everyone was going through all of these feelings of like these like incredibly strong emotions, right? Many people were. Grief, uncertainty, despair, confusion. And so I, um, Instead of like going down that rabbit hole that I think a lot of us did do, I was like, oh my God, I actually know what to do now. And so when I felt these emotions of despair or confusion or sadness or anger or uncertainty during the pandemic, I allowed myself to move through them. So here's what I did. And it's a process that I have now become called the feel framework, but it's very, very simple. The first thing you do is focus on what it is you're feeling. Focus on that emotion. And sometimes we can't identify that emotion. That is also okay. If you're like, I've got an emotion, but I don't know what it is. I can't name it. Just acknowledge that it's there. So focus on it. So, and this, this can be done. The feel framework can be done. Like if you're sitting down in a meditation while you're walking, um, it really like it can take as long as you want, or it can be a minute long. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner, I recommend just starting with a minute. So focus, what is that emotion it is that you're feeling? Bring awareness into that emotion. Next, this is this this part we don't allow ourselves to do, but I'm saying enter within that emotion. What give yourself permission to feel that emotion? Enter within it. If it's anger, how are you feeling? Where is it showing up? Are your arms tense? Is your are your shoulders tense? Is your back tense? Is your stomach upset? Get curious about that emotion and where it's showing up in your body. Next is giving yourself permission to experience that emotion. So if your anger and do whatever you're feeling called to do. 
oftentimes when I'm angry, I yell out a scream or a really large sigh, a sigh like, ah, right? It feels so good to do. And we just don't give ourselves permission to do that enough. And so allow yourself to experience that emotion in a safe and healthy way. So I'll also, I, I want to like make sure that I say that. And when I when I say like a safe and healthy way, I have a part in my book about stressing hard and stressing soft. And like it, if we feel the, the emotion of anger, sometimes you want to punch something. So grab a pillow and go and punch a pillow or get a doll and, or pillow and whack it against your, your bed. Do it in a safe way that doesn't harm yourself or others. So experience that emotion. And then finally is L. Listen, learn, and love that emotion back. Thank that emotion for being here. Get curious about what that emotion is here to teach you. And then see how you feel afterwards. I will say this. Oftentimes when I go through the feel framework, I feel like a little bit better after that moment. But the feel framework, what I have found personally for me is that I I continue to feel better even in the days and weeks to come. Like I have so much more clarity about whatever situation I was angry or upset or crying about, it doesn't matter. But because I gave myself permission to feel that emotion, get curious about it and listen to what it's trying to teach me, it opens up so many opportunities for healing. So that's really how, that's something that I like to teach people is giving yourself permission to feel. One way that I found to do it is in a safe and loving way is through my feel framework. Okay. I love that. That is, and I think frameworks are so helpful and I feel like it's something maybe we should put on our refrigerator wall. Cause you know, I often say to myself on days where I'm feeling good, I should even make a list of things that work for me so that when I'm feeling bad, I know what to do. Taking a step, taking a second and not stopping what was already on my list for me you know, not from an ignoring way, but like, uh, I'm not going to obsess. I'm not going to control. I had this thing I needed to do. I'm going to keep doing it. And just putting myself first in those areas has also been really, because then it's creates this like trust cycle of like, oh, that worked. So instead of the addiction of let me control, I'm like, oh, I do these healthy things. I want to keep doing those. That's absolutely it. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. And like two things I, I also heard you say that, that, that really resonate with me is when you were talking about sometimes is doing the next right thing, the one next right thing. I used to be like you and I would spin, 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 spin. And I'm, to be honest, still trying to untrain myself how to get into the, <laughs> out of the spin. But, um, if I could tell my life story, I would use all Disney characters, but one of my favorite movies is Frozen and Frozen 2, and there's a song in Frozen 2 called The Next Right Thing. And I actually talk about that in the book where like Anna, one of the main characters is thinks she had just lost her sister and um what would she needs to do next is just one step at a time. And that was absolutely part of my healing journey. Like right now in this moment, I'm going to give myself permission to take a nap. Or in this moment, I'm going to do this. And that was it. Like it was just sometimes it was minute by minute. Sometimes it was hour by hour. And that was also – that had to be okay. And then the other thing that um, you mentioned that you do that I also have done in my healing journey – um, for those moments when I, I feel myself spinning or spiraling, spiraling out of control with whatever it is happening in my life, I actually made a coping sheet and anyone can do this. I took like my kids, 
markers and I called it Ashley's coping sheet. I decorated it really beautifully and I put down everything that I could do in those moments when I felt like I was spinning out of control. And when I had Lyme disease, I often did feel like I was spinning out of control. I had, you know, my, I had encephalitis in my brain. I had panic attacks and so I would turn to my sheet and what looks different, all this, everyone's sheets look different. But for me, it was like, turn on classical music, take a bath, light a candle, step outside, breathe in air. Um, and I would turn to that sheet and it would help me just calm my nerves and then really get back into some of the root of my emotions and just slow down, slow down my breathing, slow down that chaotic spin, spin, spin mode where we always want to go. And I would always feel so much better. So like the the next right thing and that coping sheet, it sounds like you and I are like so aligned there on that. Oh, I know. Totally. You know, it's funny. As you were talking, I was thinking sometimes it's it gets so dark that you're not in the mood. And I think back to one of my dark moments, unfortunately, I, I had a lot, but um, in this one, I was talking to my my therapist and I was like, I don't want to smell the roses. I can't smell them. I don't care. It's so bad. There aren't any. And I just don't feel like going there right now. And he said, that's okay. That's okay. And like, I, f- it was, it was truly one of the most amazing moments ever because I was like, I just, I don't want that crap people are trying to feed me because I'm not there right now. It's just really bad. And I just need to sit that it's really bad. And eventually I've gotten out of it. It's really great. (laughs) Yes. I can hear it in your voice. It is, but I love you have a great therapist. Like I love therapy. You know, I'm a once a weeker. And uh, that's so, that's so right that like, it's okay. It's okay that this is not okay. Like that's fine. And acknowledging that, um, honoring that, but also, and I write about this in my book too. Um, one of my favorite affirmations is reminding yourself that these moments are temporary. So like we don't give ourselves permission to feel, at least I didn't give myself permission to feel the loss of my father because it was way too uncomfortable and hard. And I was like, oh my God, if I go down there, I'm going to be stuck there forever. Um, but one affirmation that has helped me in everything in my life is that this feeling is temporary. Even though it's uncomfortable right now to be in it, this feeling is not going to be here forever. It is temporary. And that gave me so much safety and reassurance. And it still does today. Even when I have like a bad day, we all do. This is temporary. This, I'm not going to feel like this forever. I'm glad I'm giving myself permission to feel it now, but I'm also grateful that I'm not going to be feeling like this forever. So just reminding yourself that these uncomfortable moments, these feelings that you're like, oh my God, I I feel like I'm going to be in here forever. It's, you won't be, it's temporary. One of the quotes that I actually wrote down is healing yourself is connected with healing others. Oh yeah. I love that quote. Isn't that a great one? Yeah. It is so true. That's in my chapter about um, connection for healing, right? What I will say, and may, it's probably also because I'm so much more at peace with the life that I've had because it's gotten me to, like, I think how lucky I am to appreciate everything. Yeah. I really appreciate it because nothing was handed. It was hard work to get to today. And I know that today will pass and another tomorrow could be hard, but I feel a lot more ready. What has also helped is when others are struggling, I really get them 
Yeah. And I feel so good that my pain and learnings can help them. And that I agree with you. You heal yourself and you heal others. Like it, it is a, such a great quote. Like, like I true that, that keeps helping me come at peace. It's like, at least something came of this. It's like the pay it forward. I love that you're saying that because I like, and this is why I say in the book, like first connect with yourself, like heal yourself first. And it's like that natural healing and connection of others will happen. Like it's, what's interesting is like this book, Authentic Power that I wrote first and foremost was for me <laughs> um, to just get things off my, ch- like the the process of writing was very therapeutic for me. And the added bonus was that I'm hoping it helps others. And I think by me talking about my experience with you is healing for me, hopefully for you. And the added bonus is that it's hopefully healing for folks that are going to be listening. Um, And that's just the beauty of connection with yourself and others. Like when we first, when we get real with our stories and with what we've been through, that is the best way to make the best friends and the best connections. Absolutely. Do you find that you're now hyper aware when people aren't in touch, aren't authentic? I find it very triggering. It, Not I, always, but sometimes I, I I get really like, I can't be in this space. Um, y- yes, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying um, because it's like, there's the, those of us who are awakened and aware to, um, the wisdom within us. But what I, when I see folks who have not yet learned how to access that wisdom and awareness, I have so much compassion for them. Um, I energetically protect myself, but I also send them so much love and compassion, knowing that, that that's their journey they're on. And it is not my responsibility to heal them. They have to actually want it themselves. Because here's the thing, along the way in my for my journey, I had so many people try to help me. I had therapists. I had this. I whacked it all away. I was not ready to listen to it. It yep. wasn't until me, Ashley, the soul of Ashley was ready to heal. So when I see other people, yes, it's triggering. And I send them love and compassion, knowing that we are, um, you know, all souls having a spirits, having a physical journey and that their journey is different from mine and their time in is different from mine. And so my, 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 the most I feel for them is compassion. Yeah, no. And that's, that's really the way to do it. And I, I actually heard that. I think it was on um, Oprah's super soul Sunday podcast. They were talking about that as like, we're all in on a different journey. Each of our paths is not going to be the same as others. And it truly right. is just having that acceptance that it's not there. I do find sometimes I have to put up a wall because you know what I do? I have this thing and I now, I now know when it turns on, I stop. But I had this thing where the people that were there for me, I probably kept, kept them at somewhat of a distance. Mm-hmm. And the people who weren't, you know what I did? I played a game of trying to win them over. Absolutely. Yeah, I can relate to that. And it broke me, broke mm-hmm. me. And now as soon as I see I'm being triggered, I want to win them. I'm like, stop, move on. I just, 
I, cause it's, and I think that's where the inauthentic piece is so triggering for me because I sense that I'm going to start trying to win them over. And now I just say, not for now. So yep. now I'm not attached to the outcome and I can see those people and like when the merger and friendship is ready, then it's ready. This yeah, kind of I mean, what I, I love that. And it's like almost like the only person you really need to win over is yourself. I, I was like that too. I wanted, I was a people pleaser. I had horrible relationships. Like I picked the worst men that like really needed the fixing thinking that I could fix them. It came down to just me wanting to just be loved, feel love, make people happy, um, be submissive. And I'm just not that. That's not me. Um, yep. And once I won over myself, that's when everything else started falling into place. And it still is. There's this picture of me in kindergarten. It's the class picture. And you know how we're all supposed to be sitting all formal with our like whatever expression. I am sitting there with my hand over my mouth, giggling. Ah. And I was like, who is that? Like literally, I had to call family members and be like, what was I like as a kid? And they were like, you were funny and you were a jokester. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I'm the person people are afraid of at work. Because, you know, I'm going to be like boss lady and, you know, my brother used to call me like a little lion where, you know, someone like says something, I like come under the attack. And I was like, what the, funny, silly. And then now I get it. I am laughing all the time. And so it's, it feels good. Do you feel like you learn new things about yourself that you, that they were there when you were a kid and now it's like, oh, I'm back. Like, what might be some of those things for you? <laughs> Welcome back, Georgie. I feel that, you know, and I talk about this in the book, um, you know, like think about the things that you love to do as a child. What were you like as a child? What were you doing? And start there because when we're children, that's when we're like at our divine essence. Then we get, you know, society and culture and parenting and all the other things get in the way and we get conditioned to act certain ways and our spirits get shut down. And then I'm the same way. So like when I was a kid, I was super creative. I loved to write. I loved to dance. I was a choreographer. I was silly. I was goofy. And now I'm, that's me. I, I, I now I still write. I dance. I'm silly. Um, I don't take life too seriously. I have a lot of fun. Um, and, and doing that, I feel like I've rediscovered the kid in me, which is uh, again, like healing, healing yourself too. Like healing that child that lives within you because your child, you're, you're that little, that little cute kindergarten girl who's giggling. She's still there. She's still inside of you. And that's what I've learned in my own healing journey that there are, there's definitely been uh, ch the child in me who's needed healing from, um, my trauma. But like, even before my trauma, I go back to like, where thinking of like where I was and what I was doing. And I was so joyful and happy. And I've, and I feel like I've gotten back to that place where I'm a child again. That is awesome. So tell us about the Lyme's disease, because I would love for people who may be struggling with a health condition. Cause you know, I've interviewed, I, I think I mentioned earlier, like over 80 guests across all these different health issues. And, you know, I don't know how much people have truly studied the mental health impacts on our health and how, you know, I wonder how much of some of these diseases manifest because of traumas and, and mental health and not at all to minimize that there's all these other things that can happen, but I'm just so curious with the, the healing that you've done spiritually, emotionally, mm -hmm. mentally, and how that might've helped you overcome the issues you were dealing with as a result of the Lyme's disease. 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, you know, for anyone who's suffering from Lyme disease or any other chronic illness, I'm with you. I, I, I know how hard this is. I really feel for you because I was, um, you know, borderline suicidal. I didn't want to live anymore. And, you know, uh, it was Lyme disease, especially chronic Lyme disease. It affects everyone differently. For me, I had encephalitis in my brain. I was, you know, I, I couldn't even move my body, my my limbs, everything was completely numb. I know a lot of folks who have suffered from late stage Lyme lose the ability to walk. Some may lose the ability to talk. Um, and that has a ma- Lyme disease alone has a massive impact on anyone's mental health. Um, for me, I personally believe that the that I, what, what I see Lyme disease as now is the gift of Lyme. It triggered all of the healing in me or the trauma. It like triggered all the trauma that lived in my body and it made it all come out. So it was like a shedding of everything that needed to come out. And I feel like that's what my body was doing. I was shedding. Um, and I found that while I was allowing myself to move through all of these emotions and feelings that I, um, I slowly physically started feeling better too. Um, but I also will say like Lyme disease is something like physically that should be taken very, very seriously. Find a Lyme literate doctor. Um, and you know, if you need antibiotics, I was so far gone that I needed to have IV antibiotics. If you, you know, and I also respect folks that may be listening that are like, I, antibiotics aren't for me. There's, there's other ways to heal. You can look for a Lyme literate doctor, an infectious disease doctor. So, so I would say first and foremost, find a doctor that, um, is listening to you. And then the other thing I would like to say is this is something very important that I learned is you got to be an advocate for your health. I cannot tell you how many times I was written off with my symptoms and having doctors tell me that, oh, you're just a mom with three young kids. You need to go see a psychiatrist. You need to go see a psychologist. And in me, this voice in me was like, no, this is not it. Like I knew that it wasn't just in my head. I knew that there was something else going on with my body. And I started advocating for myself and getting really angry. And I learned how to become my best advocate in with in dealing with the medicine world. And that worked to my advantage. And I'm so grateful for that. So, so the other piece I will share with anyone is learn to be your best advocate. Speak up for yourself. It's okay to disagree with your doctor and say, I don't agree with that assessment. In fact, this is what I'm feeling. I'm not feeling this. And I, and if that person isn't listening to you, find someone else. I'm so grateful that I did find a doctor who ended up listening. It took me, no joke, I talk about this in the book, 30 doctors. I almost didn't go see the doctor that ended up helping me heal, um, but I did. So being your own best advocate is something that will take you far when you're dealing with a chronic illness. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. It's it's insane. Are there Lyme literate doctor lists? Because I have a find a doctor page on my website and for each of the different needs people have, I have a resource that I link to as I do these episodes. So is there a specific way to find a Lyme literate doctor? Best way to find a Lyme literate doctor is I would say like, look, first call, if you think you have Lyme disease, 
call an infectious disease doctor, and you can also ask around and and say, I need a Lyme literate infectious disease doctor because not all infectious disease doctors are necessarily Lyme literate. And I also will say, don't – and this is what my infectious disease doctor told me, that many general practitioner, like family doctors, are not Lyme literate. So like they, if you go in there and uh, you're like you're experiencing symptoms of Lyme disease, but you don't know when you were bit by a tick, which is essentially what triggered – which causes Lyme disease, they might not even treat you. Um, or if you don't have the bullseye, they might not treat you, but that's not accurate. I actually never got that bullseye bite that you get when you um, get Lyme disease. And therefore, that's why they didn't treat me because they were like, oh, you never had the bullseye. So we didn't even know if you were bitten or not. Um, and so that, that that's a whole nother conversation. But just look for a, a Lyme literate infectious disease doctor in your area. That's the best thing I can do. That, that's the best thing that I can suggest for right now. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. May I ask, because I know you can Google like symptoms of Lyme's disease and clearly it took you a while to be diagnosed. Was there something specific that they were able to say, okay, now we know for sure it is Lyme. So I don't know if it was, yeah, because just someone who's struggling, who because a lot of times, you know, there's these symptoms, they all, they overlap with so many conditions that it becomes a struggle. So I just didn't know if you had a tip there from your own experience. So it's Lyme is unfortunately known as like the great masquerade. Like I was diagnosed with everything before I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, IBS, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. It mimics so many things. Um, so for me, the, I think one of the telling things was just like complete lack of energy um, and a neuro, um, neuro, neurological disorders, um, and my like weight loss, my stomach pain. I think my doctor that ended up diagnosing me looked at the whole picture. There's also blood work that you can order. It's called the Western blot test, but that's not always one that, um, is very telling for Lyme disease. It's not the best testing, but you could at least start there. There's better testing that you can do, um, I think it start. I think it's called Igenix. Um, so you can get some blood tests that doesn't usually tell the whole picture. I think for okay. a, and, and like you know, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just somebody who experienced Lyme disease. But I will say my doctor looked at my Western blot, some other Lyme um, blood work, and looked at all of my symptoms. And then she said, "I'm going to treat you with an oral bi- antibiotic first, just to be sure. Let's see how you respond to it. If you're starting to get better, I'm putting you on the IV." pick line. So sure enough, I took these oral antibiotics for a couple of weeks and I slowly started to get better, which was an indicator to her that we've hit it. We've got it. This is Lyme disease, but Ashley's so far gone. She's going to need a stronger antibiotic. So they ended up putting me on um, IV rocephin, which is what they give to meningitis patients. I had that for eight weeks um, via IV IV once a day. And that's eventually what caused me to um, begin my healing journey of physically healing from Lyme. That makes sense. Okay. Thank you for explaining. If you had one takeaway that you would want people to get from um, this awesome discussion about life and, and feeling better and happy, whether you've got a health condition or a lot of drama and sad things happening, what would be your, your takeaway for, for those listening? Okay. So I, I have two. I hope that's okay. My first one is for anyone that is experiencing uncomfortable, difficult time right now. I want you to put your hand on your heart and tell yourself that this is temporary. 
and you can say it out loud. This moment, this feeling, this is temporary. This is not going to last forever. It's temporary. And keep affirming that because I came to fully believe that I was, that even when I was in the thick of Lyme disease, that this moment of sickness is temporary. And I was right. I'm here on the other side telling you that I'm healed. I'm, I'm healthy. Yes, of course, I still have some challenging health days, but I am, I've, I run half marathons now. I dance. So tell yourself it's temporary. And then the final thing I'll leave you with is, um, is get curious about that inner voice that you have, that you have, which is your authentic power. It's that inner wisdom and inner knowing that we all have access to any time of the day. And, um, I know at first it can feel like a very woo woo concept. If you're like kind of just diving into learning how to, really get in touch with your essence, but it takes practice. But if you can just spend a couple of moments every day, again, put your hand on your heart, get quiet, ask yourself, like, what is it that I'm feeling today? What's coming up for me? See what you hear back. You'd be, um, I think, very surprised to find once you start flexing that muscle, all the wisdom that you already have inside of you. Oh my gosh. So I have a little bit of tears coming down and I don't know if it's my makeup, my happiness or you. <laughs> Maybe all of it. Let's just say that. All um, of it. <laughs> you're awesome. I just, I adore you. I'm so glad we got introduced to each other. I know it was um, a bit of time before we were able to get this scheduled and um, it was worth the wait. You're a special lady and, and thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Georgie. This has been the highlight of my afternoon, so I appreciate it. 